brought to you all season, I guess, as the case may be, uh, along by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com, for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the site. Also brought to you tonight by Second String Sports, secondstringsports.com, in Stewart's Draft. You can check them out, second with a two. Uh, our thanks to them as well. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the western end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 20th. Cavaliers coming off of a um, pretty solid victory over Boston College last night. Um, and had, they uh, will be in Pittsburgh on Saturday, I guess, and then they go back on the road Wednesday to Blacksburg um, in what I'm sure will be a, um, a, a happening atmosphere. Uh, we will talk about all things hoops uh, before we get started. Let's go around and introduce everybody. Um, up in Fisherville, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, buddy? Doing well, Brad. Yeah, up here in the Shenandoah Valley between the Allegheny Mountains and the Blue Ridge Mountains where there's absolutely no snow as it snows at the beach currently. What world is this? Who days on the board at? Who days on Twitter? Well, there are things called fronts, and sometimes they hit at different <laughs> angles and you know different times and such. Uh, up in uh, rest and staff writer Justin Ferber also on the program, dude. I feel like I haven't seen you in like a month and a half, and then I was like, oh, that's because I haven't. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm still around. Uh, no snow here either, which is fine by me. I'm anti snow. Um, bah humbug. But you, but yeah, this uh, this ACC schedule is a real pain in the ass, isn't it? <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, all the games are on the weeknights. Yeah, that's uh, true. But yeah, so it's it's been tough to get down to Charlottesville as much as I normally do. But at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and every once in a while, a picture that you should put in the Louvre. Um, which was like easily like the most uh interacted or whatever the word is, uh tweet that I've ever put out there. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but anyway. All right, so Virginia obviously goes down to Carolina, take, <laughs> takes a last-second three-pointer by Thomas Woldetensai to get the win. They come back home against Boston College and didn't need uh, a last-second shot against the Eagles. Uh, avenged that earlier loss to BC up in Conti Forum. Um, 78-65, easily their best offensive game of the season. Um, they put five in double figures, which I believe is a – that's only the second time they've done that under Tony Bennett, the last time being he literally his first game. Um, I thought there was a lot to like about this game, and certainly we have to take into account the competition and such and such and such. Um, but I just thought that there was a lot, uh, you know, a lot to take away if you're looking forward for the Cavaliers. Um, so I, I guess that's actually where I want to start the conversation tonight, guys. Like, how much do we take forward from this? Like, Ferber talked about it in his power rankings this afternoon, the idea that, like, we kind of need to wait and see if Virginia really has sort of turned a corner offensively, if this is more of a flash in the pan, or is this, you know, is this going to last? Um, all indications, I would imagine, right, to this point in the season are that it is a flash in the pan. Uh, but we will have to wait and see. What what are – Dave, what, what, when you came away from that game last night, um, do you feel differently about this team? Do you feel – I mean, like, you look at the schedule and the way things have kind of broken for them. Um, other than that Louisville loss, um, they look pretty decent lately, at least in terms of figuring out how to be ahead at the end of the game. Sometimes in the game, yeah. they've had some rocky moments. But overall, uh, how are you feeling right now? I mean, better. <laughs> better than I was two weeks ago, three weeks ago especially. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't take much when your defense is good. Like we talked about it even before, you know, when they were struggling. 
Like, you know, it's not like we're asking them to score 20 more points a game. They just need to find a way to score six to 10. And they seem to be doing that regularly, you know, and it helps. You know, it, it just, you know, it helps because you're getting it from the outside, which opens up the lane and makes it easier for Kihei to drive, gives you more options for your big men to play in the post. So, I mean, all in all, it's a big improvement. Um, I mean, I never really doubted it. <laughs> this, you know, this is a, such a testament to, like, patience, I guess. And maybe, you know, I was guilty as many fans of not having it, having seen the success we had seen the last few years, like right out of the gate and all season long. Um, just the development of this team has been impressive. And, um, you know, Thomas, like, I mean, I was trying to think last night. Like, I can't think of a player who's had a single season turn like his at any point in their career um, in one's calendar, you know, in one particular season to go from as bad as he looked at Tom's early in the ACC schedule to, to now, like you almost so automatic when he shoots it, uh, especially on the road. But like, you know, he's, I think he's kind of a microcosm as a team as a whole, like him, his confidence is he's gaining confidence. Um, you know, Kihei is still putting up great assist numbers and, you know, and I think Jay is kind of starting to shoot the ball a little bit more. So, I mean, I think all, all in all, the whole operation's gotten better. I don't know what the magic elixir was other than just playing together more. Um, quality opponents certainly didn't hurt because it has, it has been some, you know, not like they've beaten Duke and Louisville, you know, twice in this little run. They, But even the Louisville game that they lost, I mean, they had a lead late and and, and honestly missed the chance to kind of put that, make that game very uncomfortable for Louisville. So all in all, the last few weeks have to make you very excited for what they could be as they what the last five games in the regular season. Um, but again, like if they, if they hit a struggle struggle, you know, this, they're pretty comfortably in fourth now, but a couple games go the opposite way of the next five and it could be Harry going into the ACC tournament, losing that fourth seed. So Tom will tell, but I'm, I'm a lot more confident than I was a few weeks ago. Ferber, the uh, clouds parted, the lightning sh- struck, the, the the earth shook. Virginia shot it well. Um, are you a believer now? I mean, you've been you've been <laughs> you've been banging on them all. No, I'm just kidding. You've been the the measured one of the group. Um, and I thought your approach in the in the power rankings was actually really spot on. Um, what did you take away from last night? And and I think Dave's point it was perfect, right? The idea that like basically they just have gotten used to. Um, They've just gotten used to playing together. Um, and, I mean, I don't think they've reinvented the wheel by any stretch, right? What do you think about this um, this offense, and how does it change the outlook for you? Yeah, I think that's true. I think the comfortability with the team playing with each other is is definitely improved. I mean, you can see it. I think a big part of that is to 10 size emergence just because I think guys are – I think when you have a guy out there that you know can knock one down every once in a while, it kind of relaxes everybody else and they don't feel like they all have to go out and be heroes. Um, and I think that, you know, you see sometimes early in games or for a stretch of time, maybe early in a season, the team will play tight. It really felt like this team has played tight the entire season until the last few weeks. Um, I think that Louisville game, even though they had already been on a winning streak before that, I think that one might have opened things up for them a little bit more, and they, you know, they started seeing the ball go in, uh, especially Thomas, and I think Kihei had a pretty good game at Louisville. So I think it was good for for them to see the ball go in and, and know that even in a losing effort, you know, they were able to do something that they hadn't really done, and and honestly, that's really what they've been doing lately is the offensive improvement. It's not just 
uh, they were this good all along, and now you know they're just winning. I mean, some of that's true. Like the North Carolina game, being able to close that out uh, was good. I mean, obviously a big win for them, but uh, they also got to 64 points in that game and needed all of them. Uh, whereas I think I wrote in the power rankings, or I might have put it in the preview for the pit game. Can't remember. Um, they only got to 64 points like four times in their first 20 games or something. Um, and then in the last four, they've done it three times. So, I mean, that in itself is something. Um, and, and like Dave said, they didn't really need they didn't need to get to 80 points to win these games. They just needed probably to get to 60, 65. And, and if they can if they can play on the margins like that and win those games by, you know, getting those 63, 64, 65 point games, then, then they'll have a chance to be competitive. You know, but the margin is still really thin because if you drop three, four, five points off of that, you're right there in the mix again. Um, last night, I mean, I thought that they really handled Boston College, and, and that game was probably the biggest runaway they've had since the Tech game, where they won by 30. Um, but other than that, I mean, even the North Carolina game, you know, if they if they score 59 points, they, they surely lose probably. Um, and, and, you know, some of these other games where they come out on the right side, you know, a couple points here and there would have been the difference, but... We'll see what happens. I, I think I'm definitely more optimistic now that I've seen them put a couple of games together. But it wasn't too long ago that they were in a game in the 40s in overtime with Notre Dame. So uh, I wouldn't get too ahead of ourselves at this point. But I think that what we've seen, there's no reason not to be optimistic about them being better than they have been early in the season. Yeah, a couple, couple points here. One, I, you, you mentioned that really that, that Louisville game changed them. I, I wonder, I was looking back at it earlier. So they they were at a point. It doesn't. I mean, it wasn't. A, it was a month ago, actually, today. They, they lost NC State fifty three fifty one at home. It was their fourth loss in five games. Then they go down to Winston Salem, and they needed overtime to beat Wake Forest, which was without without its best player. And then they come back home. They beat Florida State in in a game that was probably tighter in in some ways than it should have been. Right? They needed. I mean, it was a total rock fight against Clemson. They they lose a Louisville game, and then obviously the the overtime, the three, the three to two overtime thriller uh, against Notre Dame. So I think it's what's we, what's changed though for me is that they're just making plays late. And I, I wrote that column on Monday. I mean, they just have figured out ways to win, even if it's not pretty, and even if it's not always consistent game to game to game. Right. Uh, the second point I would make is if you look at Kim Palm. And this has been – I feel like this is a tough year for Ken Palm because trying to predict some of this stuff is just, you know, good luck. But as of right now, of Virginia's five games, Ken Palm only has them winning one, and that's yep. going to Miami. <laughs> that was shocking to me when I right. went and looked today like, to do the preview. The only one that he has them winning, I think, is Miami, and that's like 51%. Yeah, and it's – right. So that's exactly – yeah, you, still, you stole my thunder. Thanks. It's 51%. So, like, he has them losing by one at Pitt. He has them losing by one at Tech. He has them losing by five at home to Duke. Um, and then he has them losing by two at home to Louisville. So basically, he, uh, he these things are all going to be close in, in in terms of predictions. But the numbers say that Virginia shouldn't win more than one of the games, or you know, however you want to phrase that, um, which I kind of find fascinating because realistically, this is a team that has won six of its last seven games, right? Um, and yeah, granted, they got to go to Pittsburgh, they got to go to Virginia Tech, but neither of those teams right now gives you much you know reason to um i don't want to say worry maybe that's not the right phrase but i mean heck even tech i mean that's a team they beat by 30 right um so while everybody is talking about maybe virginia and the offense and 
you know, this and that. The numbers at least say, and the algorithm that has been pretty good to Virginia in the past and been pretty good about, you know, picking things in the past for, for when it comes to Virginia, says that, that that's not the way it currently looks. And I just find that so fascinating because nothing I've seen from this Virginia team makes me think they're going to go to Pittsburgh or Blacksburg and not come back with wins. Um, but, you know, the numbers say what they say. Thomas Wolde Tensai is at that point. Um, I tweeted this the other day. Uh, and then he didn't make a shot the rest of the night, so I've been trying not to tweet it. The dude is at a place now where he just shoots, and I think it's going in. Um, he has been on an absolute tear, um, and it only continued. Last night against Boston College, uh, he ends up with um, going six of uh, – excuse me, five of ten, four of eight from three, 14 points. Um, his emergence on the wing has, has basically – like I don't want to say it's rearranged UVA's offense – but it kind of has rearranged their offense, right? Like he, they're back to running sides. It's back, they're back to going a lot of screens. And that has taken off a lot of pressure on Kihei, off of Kihei Clark. And I asked Tony Bennett about it last night. He's like, listen, when these other guys are, are doing what they're doing, you know, Diakite was the ACC's player of the week. When other guys are doing stuff, it doesn't fall on Kihei's shoulders. That, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and I, he attributed a lot of that to just guys around and playing better and, and helping sort of carry that load. Dave – as you've watched Wolda Tensai, do you need to see more from him to to think Virginia should stop, you know, going to that well? Do you feel comfortable with them the way they're using him right now? Uh, what would you do with with the flamethrower that is attached to his arm right now? Keep doing what you do. I mean, they were doing it when he wasn't making them. <laughs> it was just, you know, he's still shooting them. Um, or Morcel was shooting. You know, he's taking he's probably taking a lot of shots from Morcel just by staying on the court more. Um so, yeah, I mean, if you guys remember, like, the thing I complained about most early in the season with this team was I felt like they weren't screening very well. Uh, and the last – during this win streak, like, the blockers uh, or, you know, the screeners when they're running kind of sods or just pick and roll stuff, they're doing a much better job of committing to the screen and doing what it's supposed to do. And some of that, I think, is – it's like when Kyle Guy was coming around on, you know, if you're setting a double baseline screen or something for Kyle, guys – screen better because they knew he's probably going to make the shot if they got him open. And I think because Walter Tensei you know, um, started to get better over the last, I don't even know when, when this started. It's been several games now. Um, because he's better, I think guys are just more confident and are willing to do the work to set the screen because they know it's going to result in something good. So, you know, it's kind of that, you know, it's one good thing feeding another good thing, which helps that other good thing happen. So, that's all positive. The thing that's been most impressive to me about Thomas, and I think we probably haven't discussed enough, is his improvement on defense, which is, you know, we know the pack line's hard to, hard to learn, and, you know, very few people come in or are able to play consistent minutes as a first year, especially at a position, you know, a wing or guard position, because you can get exposed pretty easily in the ACC. Um, there was something that happened in the first half last night. I meant to text you guys about it, because because it was ACC Network. I couldn't rewind and get it, but it was a like a loose ball fast break that Boston College had. And it was kind of it wasn't like you know, it was more of a secondary break. And there was a miscommunication outside the three point line and a guy went in for the layup. And Thomas like pointed at I believe it was um, I believe it was Mamadi. Like Mamadi said something and Thomas was pointing and said, you know, basically arguing like you weren't in right position. Um, which was interesting to see. Because you know that means you're starting to understand the concepts, and 
Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned with him, like at this point, I'm a believer. I think you, other teams are scouting him. They're going to react to it. So you got to keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why you turned it off. No offense to your question, Brad, but I don't know why you turned it off. <laughs> For what do you think? Do you what? How would you how How do you think UVA should utilize him, or do you like what they're doing with him? Should they look to him more? I mean, there was definitely a period of time where I was like, listen, any shot that's not Thomas Wilton is a dumb shot. It reminded me of those Joe Harris days where you know Joe Harris would like pass up a decent look, and I'd be like, no, no, Joe has to understand that a Joe Harris shot is better than anybody else shot. Um, I'm not quite there with Thomas because I think they do have some other pieces, and certainly I thought Jay Huff, who we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, when he's shooting the ball, um, or at least looking to take shots, you know, they're a very different offense. I, I'm not one to argue with Jim Christian. Um, how do you like how they're using Waldo right now? I mean, I think it's, it's working pretty well. Um, he, you know, he did have a cold stretch. What was it? The Notre Dame game where he was yeah. pretty cold. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I'm not gonna, I'm not ready to say like, Hey, he, he, he used to shoot 10 threes a game, but you know, you, you, you just looking at what else, you know, what everybody else has been giving you throughout the season, I think it's pretty safe to say he's probably your best option coming off screens and, and shooting the ball from there. And and I'm very, very ready to eat some crow right here on this podcast because I don't think I said it on this show, but um, I was ready to give up on him after the first half of the season because I just didn't see it. I mean, he looked so uncomfortable, not to mention where he was coming from. Like, it was not like he came in with like a bunch of bona fides like Marcel. Um, where we just expected this guy to come in and it'd be awesome. Um, we thought he could contribute, and, and really early in the season, he didn't he didn't bring a lot to the table besides minutes. And you know, he would knock down the occasional shot, or you know, maybe make a play on defense here or there. But he was really struggling. And, and like Dave said, he's made a pretty miraculous turnaround in the second half of the season. And and I think it's just the adjustment period that he had to go through, and, and the the level of competition is just much, much higher, you know, in high level division one basketball than it is at the Juco level. And, and you're, and on top of that, you're talking about a guy that's, uh, you know, from Europe. So the, you know, he did probably didn't even play like high level high school basketball. So, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, what you're seeing from him is encouraging. And I think that the, obviously he's a big part of what they're trying to do on offense, but, uh, you can see where it's opening things up for other guys too. So I don't want to make it, you know, you know, he shouldn't be shooting the ball 20, 30 times a game or anything crazy like that. Um, but you know, I think that the more he can give you, the more, the more he starts knocking down those shots, um, it opens everything up in the next game for the, for everybody else, just because he's got so much attention on him. But so even then, you know, if he's not knocking them all down, at least he's getting the attention and, and maybe opening things up for everybody else. So right now, I think I think it's fine. I think the way they're using him is fine, and and it's it's helping everybody else as a result. Yeah, he's got ten games this year where he shot above fifty percent or above from three. Which, if you think about the team as a whole, like that's impressive for any guy to be doing on this team. And now his season percentage is thirty nine point three. I mean, that's yeah. pretty good, <laughs> especially when you go back and look. He had some like, you know, yeah, I think maybe we were hard on him in the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all maybe not on the podcast, but we're like, this. Well, maybe right maybe it was just um, the way he was being used. I mean, yeah, because he wasn't the guy that he is now, where he was running off screens and getting these shots. Like, this is a different version of what I think. Maybe they realized he was their best chance to to make those plays, so they started kind of going to him more. Yeah, I feel like Casey was getting, like I said, I feel like Casey was getting a lot of these looks early on, um, especially because you know Casey had a better grasp of the defense, and now that. You know that's what that's your price of admission to get on the court at UVA, and I think Thomas is 
you know, kind of earn that. But yeah, I mean, one, two, three games with six or more, two of those seven. I mean, yeah. I think we need to break him down. We need to break him down into two categories. It was Afro version and then the cornrow version. (laughs) The cornrow version is hitting everything. (laughs) So I think he needs to, he needs to keep it that way for sure. Yeah. And it certainly does seem like when the dude gets into a groove, I mean, he gets into a groove. Um, I, I, I wonder in some ways, even when though, when he's not like when he was what uh, I think he was one of eight from three against Notre Dame, like there was, there was still space to be had because you, you can't just like, even if he's not having a good night, you can't just like not guard him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were good looks. I mean, the fact that he's put it on film now, I mean, that's, it, it doesn't get you as far obviously as like actually hitting the shots, but man, it does open up the offense a lot. And I think Diakite has, has really been the beneficiary of that. He's had a nice little run of it. Dave, what are you, how are you feeling about Mamadi these days? I mean, Mamadi's Mamadi. Like, he still, he still has these, like, overreactions to a single play that drive me crazy. Um, but that's just who he is. I guess we just, I mean, you figure five years in the program, if that's going to go out of him, it would have gone out of him. That's just what, that's just how he's wired. Um, but, yeah, he definitely, you know, Anytime you're hitting outside shots and can free him up inside, I think it helps him. You know, his defense is, has always been good. Um, and, you know, he's someone who I think also had to learn to trust the new guys in the system. You know, uh, you know, Kihei kind of had to get every trust everyone on the offensive end, and Mamadi had to trust him on the defensive end. But you, you know, so uh, yeah, I've been pretty impressed with him. Like, I mean, I think he's still leading the team in scoring, isn't he? Like almost 14 a game or something. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has some of the quietest good games um, just because he has a lot of putbacks and stuff. You know, he had a couple games where he hit the threes. But, look, he, I mean, he's a solid piece. He, you know, he's an excellent defender, and he does enough on offense. And he seems to – like, there's times, especially when the team's struggling to hit threes, I wish he could be more of a post presence because um, I don't feel like there's a lot of guys in the league that can handle him if we give him enough touches in the post. Um that's just not the game today. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's done, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with him. You know, we, we've talked about it before, like, you know, whether someone had to be a star. I mean, I think they're all starting to kind of get closer to that. And, you know, the success has followed. Overall right now, my big thing is that, um, the three point shooting has been nice. Um, I'm curious what happens when they run up against a team that's actually hitting, right? So if they have a Notre Dame game, Notre Dame-like game, right, where they aren't hitting, but the other team is. And I don't think we've seen an instance yet this season where Virginia's defense has been able to basically turn off another team's water and give their offense enough time. What we've seen is basically their defense allows them to hang on because their offense is just not doing anything, right? Um, Ferber, what's your biggest fear um, as we've – you know, as we look at these last five games of the season, I, from I mean, I'm guessing it's going to be something offense related. Um, but I look at Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, Duke, Miami, Louisville. Two of those games seem tough. The other three seem not just winnable, but they almost feel like must wins. What's your what's your sort of big big fear or worry about this team going forward? Yeah, I would say the margin of error is still really small, uh, but that's kind of just like a general thing. Uh, I mean, I feel like that's true for a lot of teams, but for this team, definitely. Uh, you know, they, they've this game, this Boston College game. I don't want to act like th- that was a toss-up. I mean, they controlled it, but that's an outlier. I mean, if you look at what they've done throughout the season, 
since non-conference play. I mean, they really haven't had a game. Besides, I guess Virginia Tech is the one game uh, where they've handled a team. Um, not even beat a team, handled one. Like, And that's kind of concerning to me because you're, every team you're going to play in the postseason is going to be good. So the margin of error gets really small. And obviously, I don't think we, we expect this team to make some crazy run through the postseason or anything like that. But, you know, even in the end of this regular season, the margins are small because you see in the Ken Palm numbers, um, and part of the reason that he has them losing all these games, I think, is because he doesn't really account for uh, recency bias. So, I mean, he's looking at the whole picture or right, the numbers right. do. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's part of what it is. I mean, if you look at UVA's offensive numbers, they're just – so weak on that end throughout the season that it, it just like you know pulls them down in all these games. But um, I mean they were they were underdogs in North Carolina and in Vegas too. Um, and, you know North Carolina is in like a tailspin right now. Uh, but yeah, I think the biggest concern honestly would just be a return to form on offense because it's not like they had a rough like 2017. You know Kyle Guy and, and Ty Jerome's freshman year. They went through a rough stretch kind of like near the – in the second half of ACC play. I think they lost like three or four games in a row. And they – they I don't even think they got out of the 40s a few times. And it was just like things weren't going well. And, and they had to kind of snap out of it. And they had a game – I remember it was at NC State where they completely snapped out of it and played really well and scored like 80 points or something. Um, and then after that, they went on a little bit of a run. But with this team, they've – it wasn't like a little run where they weren't good. I mean, they put 20 something games out there where they were mediocre to bad on offense. So that is still, you know, more than half this, almost all of the season. So, I mean, it's not that crazy to me to think that they could regress. I don't know if I think that they will, uh, because I think that what we're seeing here is legit. I think we're seeing them get better. Uh, because they're not just doing it. It's not like a flash in the pan sort of thing. It it looks the shots they're getting are good shots, you know, stuff like that. Uh, it's not like they're just hitting prayers out of nowhere. Um, so I think there's a possible regression, but I mean, even if there isn't one, the margin is still pretty thin. So I guess that would be my biggest concern is that you're kind of living on the razor's edge with almost every game. Um, right before you go, like Justin brought up something I meant to talk about earlier. Um, I was looking back like previous Tony Bennett, Virginia teams. And cause I kind of remembered like they always have this weird part of the season. So like, you know, um, last year and the year before when they kind of ran through it and then what 14, 15, I think it was, they had like another four, four loss season. Um, but every other season, Virginia has lost a bulk of their games between like the week before Christmas and mid January. There's yeah. this weird, like two or three weeks where I don't know if it's, exam break and you know tired legs or exam break and getting back into you know higher level competition as you get into the acc then that 2016 it season it was they couldn't win on the road yeah they, they lost like three or four games in a row on the road to like pretty mediocre teams and then they, that uh, darius thompson buzzer beater got them out of it for us yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it's weird like it, it every year except the three years they just have they absolutely mauled everybody they've had this weird lull around there and that's when the bulk of the losses have been this year. Um, you know, those other years we didn't win the national title, so maybe I'll keep that in mind when I fill up my bracket. <laughs> I mentioned a few minutes ago that I wanted to come back to Jay Huff. Um, I, I'm not sure what to make of Jay Huff these days, and I don't mean that to sound hot takey. Um, I I genuinely think the team is better off when he's on the floor, and certainly when he's hitting shots. 
I think sometimes he's a little bit too reticent to take them. And that's a thing that's been, you know, um, much discussed both by us and, and others. But I, I wonder, I, I don't want to come down and say, oh, he's the X factor. Because I think right now the X factor is whether or not Casey Morsell's ankle or leg or whatever. I couldn't quite tell if it was an actual ankle because I didn't see a replay. Um, maybe you guys can tell me. Um, I don't know what they showed. If it was yeah, I mean, it looked like it, he he rolled his le- he rolled his ankle on another guy's foot, mm. but then they were kind of stretching out like his calf, I think. Yeah, it was almost, yeah, but that, but I was wondering if it was like one of those um, high ankle sprains. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes it can. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I thought it was live because yeah. he rolled. He literally rolled his ankle over another guy's foot. So so I see. I couldn't tell from the way he was w- trying to walk if it was an ankle or if it was a knee. Um, so I. But I was going to say is that, like, the X factor really is his health and whether – because, I mean, from a depth standpoint, Virginia can't afford to lose, you know, another guard. Um, otherwise, you get Braxton Key at point forward. Um, but I, I do think that Jay's willingness to shoot, uh, his comfort level – he talked a little bit about it, um, and you can watch the video that I've got on the site about, you know, doing some – putting in some extra work, um, you know, with the trainers and, and getting shots up and stuff like that. That that, 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 that is a big – uh, a big X factor for them. Um, I mean, he has definitely improved his defense. His consistency is a little bit of an issue, but I think that offensively, like the more he looks for his shot, the better they are. Um, because typically if he's looking for a shot, it's not like he's forcing it. You know, a lot of times he passes them up simply just so they can run more offense. Um, you know, again, I just said a few minutes ago that like, I, I joked that, you know, Thomas should basically be taking every shot, which is clearly not what I meant to say. It's not like a real thing, but Jay should probably look to get his. Um, we have been, uh, you know, not always been the biggest fans of the unicorn here. Um, but as he's earned it, you know, I think we've been um, we've been very uh, fair in our in our um, sort of um, discussions of him. Dave, what do you feel like you need to see from from Huff for this team to be successful down the stretch? You know, it's funny, like I, you know, in all my extensive research I do for all the podcasts, um, Jay, I, I kind of had this, like to me, Jay's been pretty good the last few games, especially, uh, you know, was there, there was a couple games in a row where he, he didn't take many shots. Right. So in my mind, I, I started thinking, I think we're playing him less and he's just fresher and that's why he's shooting, but that's not the case at all. Um, you know, so the games he, you know, he, Wake Forest was probably his worst game. I think he fouled out and only had one field goal attempt. Yeah, yeah, he did foul out. Played 13 minutes, hit a three, but fouled out um, in the law in the overtime win. And then the following game against Florida State, he only took two shots, playing 26 minutes in the win against Florida State. Um, but those, honestly, those two were the two bad ones. Like, you know, last night he was really good, five for seven. Uh, Carolina, he, he, one for four, three for five against Notre Dame, two for five against Louisville. So, you know, he's getting more shots than I remembered him taking. And he's playing a lot of minutes. Like, he's averaging over 30 minutes the last six games. Um, You know, 26, 35, 30, 30, 20, 28, uh, around 30 minutes a game. And Florida State, the game where he took two shots, and I think that's the one we're all thinking about where he didn't – he kind of passed them up. In the previous game against Florida State, he only took two shots. Um, So that's probably just a matchup thing. You know, he gets a lot of his – Florida State kind of has five of the same dude out there. So overall, like I've been really impressed with his, like his defensive improvement's been really good. 
I mean, I think it's an added, you know, I think Tony's talked about it too. When you have it, him and Mamadi in the back, especially early in the season when, you know, when you had all so much youth at the, at the wing and, and Waldo and, and Marcel and Statman, you know, learning how to play against ACC guys and, you know, heck D1 guys, um, you know, they were erasing a lot of mistakes they made, but now that everyone seems to be playing better, I think to me, like what Jay's doing last night is what he should do. Like occasionally that little pick and pop, you've got to work that pick and pop three with Kihei at the top. Like that's easy offense. Um, and even if you don't make it, it plants a C, which allows him to slip down and get that alley-oop. So that's got to be something he takes a couple times a game, um, you know, unless Waldo's got the NBA jam fire going on. Like, <laughs> that should be a regular part of your offense. So overall, like as hard as I feel like I've been personally on Huff over the years because I felt like some of the hype was, you know, maybe maybe a little early, you know, based on playing some inferior competition when he got his minutes the last couple of years, like, I'm very impressed with what he's shown me in the last few games. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to ask him anymore for the guy. Like, he's seven foot tall, and we know he struggles keeping weight on. And he's playing a game against guys. You know, we play so many teams that don't have a big guy. So a lot of times he's guarding a guy who's seven or eight inches smaller than them um, and faster. But So I think you know, he's done a remarkable job of improving as this season has worn on and certainly from this season to last all right Ferber. last question on the hoops front we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the um, um higher on the uh football side but i do want to talk a little bit about sort of the the bubble in general all right um it seems like this is one of those weird years um <laughs> which maybe the weird years come so often they don't they no longer become weird but in general how do you feel about virginia's bubble situation right now what do you feel like they have to do in order to make the tournament? Um, and how much atten- – where, where should folks be paying the most attention outside of just Virginia's results? Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say to answer the first part of your question, we've been doing this every week. I think that my first answer was 40%, and then it was 50 and then I think it was 60 I'd say right now they have about a 70% chance to make the field 75%. Um Things are definitely looking better than they did. And as I tweeted last night, beating Boston College was a huge hurdle cleared because that would have been a a quote-unquote bad loss. And they already had one of those to Boston College, so you don't want to have two. And, you know, now looking the rest of the season, because, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, they have some winnable games coming up, but they're all on the road, which is good for your resume because if you lose them – their quad two losses instead of quad three at Miami, Virginia Tech, whatever. Virginia Tech, actually, if they had beaten Miami last night, that game next week there in Blacksburg would have probably been a quad one opportunity for UVA, and it still could end up being that, uh, depending on how Tech finishes the season. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the, the odds are better than they were. At this point, I said this last night, and I don't want people to, you know, don't necessarily think this is 100% locked in no matter what because things change and bids get stolen during conference tournaments and so on and so forth. But I think if they win the three games that you mentioned, that at Pitt, at Miami, at Virginia Tech, I think that would probably be enough to get them in without anything else because uh, I would put them at 21-9, and 13-7. So I think that, based on who you've played and, and who your losses are to and who you've beaten, uh, I think that would put you in a really good spot. 
Now, if you can do all that and add a Louisville or a Duke win, I think you're very solidly in the field and you've improved your seating. Um, if you, you drop one of those games but make up for it with a win over Louisville or Duke, that's fine. Like that, There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, what you don't want to do is you don't want to lose probably multiple of those three games at Pitt, at Miami, at Virginia Tech. I, don't, I wouldn't want to lose more than one of those to feel really good unless you like sweep Louisville and Duke and make up for it in the ACC tournament. Uh, I think it would be big to just win those three games and then try to, you know, like basically scratch out a par by beating Louisville or Duke. Obviously you try for both, but I think realistically winning one of those would be pretty good. And then in the ACC tournament, just don't do anything dumb. Like don't lose to Wake Forest or something. Um, and, And I think they'll be pretty good. But like I said, the margins are thin. So, you know, it wouldn't be a total shock to me if they went to Pitt and lost on Saturday. It wouldn't be a shock to me if they went to Blacksburg and lost, to be honest with you, um, or Miami, because Miami's playing better. But losing all three of those would be surprising. So I think they're in a pretty good spot. As far as other teams on the bubble, um, in the ACC, I mean, the big one is uh, NC State, who is a little bit behind UVA right now, according to pretty much everybody that does brackets. Um, they don't play UVA again, and they have a pretty tough schedule coming down the road. They play Florida State this weekend, and then they have to go to Duke um, for the rematch there. And then, obviously, they have to play North Carolina again, who they already lost to this year. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a bunch of teams in the Big Ten that are that are kind of flirting. Um, Minnesota, Indiana, uh, in the SEC, there's a couple. South Carolina, who did beat UVA, obviously, early this season, but they're kind of further down the board. Uh, locally, uh, I think VCU is currently on the right side of the bubble or close. And then Richmond is like right there. Uh, so, I mean, I think it'll be interesting coming down the stretch, but really the big thing is as much as I say, you know, they win those three games, they're good to go. A lot of that still depends. Like I said on, you know, like if, if NC or if, you know, North Carolina wins the ACC tournament, that's one bid less available. Um, if, South Carolina wins the SEC tournament. That's one less bid available. And then even further down the board in these smaller leagues, you might have teams, um, you know, in the past, or like, for example, Gonzaga. If, like, Gonzaga didn't win their conference tournament, that could steal a bid, um, that sort of thing. So, I mean, really what you want to do is when they get to the conference tournament, you want to root for the favorites, especially in the smaller sort of one-bid type leagues to make sure that nobody comes in and steals one. But... Um, really, I mean, it's it's up to UVA now. They've put themselves in a position to make it. It's going to come down to, to how well they can close out against the teams that they are probably better than. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the thing for me is I always think about it like, um, so you look at the five games. Obviously, Duke and Louisville are the ones, if they lose, not a big deal. So the other three, um, you just can't lose in Miami. Realistically, I don't want to put everything on the Miami game, but if you lose in Miami, a whole lot of questions get asked. Um, this is Virginia's definitely in a take care of business kind of situation. They a, a win over Duke or Louisville probably would counteract you know anything bad, right? But realistically, um, I, I think as long as they don't lose that Miami game, I know that in terms of Ken Palm right now, Tech and Pitt are not that far away from where Miami is, but Miami is just not the same. I don't think the same. You know, what Ferber has them in the in the lower tier for a reason. Um. All right, let's let's close out this week and talk a little bit about the hiring of Clint Centum uh, as the defensive line coach. Um, personally, I think it's a, a a really good hire. I think it makes a lot of sense. Dave, we, in our conversations, it certainly seemed like that was a move that you hoped Virginia might make. Um, where did he kind of fall on your your wish list, and what did you think of it? 
<laughs> I mean, I can't say he was, he specifically was on my wish list, but he checked all the boxes, right? Um, like, you know, UVA ties, young, um, energetic. And, you know, like I said before, like, I didn't think you had to necessarily just look for a defensive line coach. I thought you had some flexibility, but it looks like, you know, he's going to coach a defensive line and, um, he was a really good player, and you know, he's he's on the wall in the practice facility. So, hey, I'm excited for him. He's got Northern Virginia ties. You know, he played in the NFL not long ago. Um, yeah, I guess there's some players coming, recruits coming up who may know who he is. But you know, his story's fresh. He can talk about it fresh. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 a home run. Especially, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that. It didn't take long to fill it, and it was filled with someone who who checked all the boxes. Uh, but yeah, for me, like, yeah, home run. And Ferber, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little surprised he's going to coach the defensive line, uh, but I mean, I'm. It would be. I'm, it's not like they didn't consider that when they they put him in the position. Like, wait a second, have you ever done that before? Um, so I'm sure he has some experience there or something, but. Pretty good reputation, obviously. Great player, UVA. Recent NFL experience. Um, I don't really know much. I'm not going to sit here and say like he should be a great recruiter because I don't. I don't really follow Delaware's recruiting. Uh, but you know, he is a Jersey guy, I believe. So he probably has some connections up there. And not to mention, you know, recruiting Delaware isn't that far away from here. So relationship-wise with with local high school coaches, I'm not exactly sure what his territory was. But for Delaware, it's not like they're recruiting nationally. So he should have some connections with coaches around here. And and like I said last week, I trust Bronco to hire the right guy or hire a guy that he feels comfortable with. So that plus him being an alum and really wanting to be here, I think that that it definitely checks all the boxes like Dave said. And and really it'll just come down to you know how he does now, how he actually performs in the role. But it's certainly not a, a hire that makes me think like where you know out of left field or anything like that. Um, it makes sense to, to bring somebody back with connections and and a guy that obviously Bronco liked because he, he must have done well in the interview process. So excited to see what he can do. Um, and, and, you know, once we start hearing back from recruits about how they're developing a relationship with him, like we have so many other coaches, I think we'll get a better sense for, for what kind of a recruiter he is and, and how that all works. Definitely a different social media presence, though. He's quieter than than UVA's coaches are. So, I mean, I, I don't. I think that's sort of something they emphasize. But you know, it'll be interesting to see if he kind of adds some more flair to what he does now, and and we get to hear more from him. Yeah, I mean, I think you know he's got obviously some Nova roots, playing in Garfield and NFL experience, young guy. I think it's a it's a it's a pretty much a home run. I, I mean, you might have you might have been able to find a couple of former players or something that 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 also could have worked. But I thought Clint was a was a great hire. Um, so yeah, I think that in, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to sort of get uh, ingrained in the culture and, and and get on the ground. But you know, he's got some big shoes to fill. But I think he's he's exactly the slight, the, the kind of profile of a guy that that would make a lot of sense. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your shows. Um, also, if you are so inclined, give us a rating. It uh, helps to get us out in front of more people, and we appreciate that. Uh, if you are somebody who found the pod, has not given us a look, check us out at CavsCorner.com right now. Let's see. I got video from last night. Uh, got that column I mentioned, and then I did write a, a pretty uh, good little feature on uh, Casey Morsell from comments that I got from him uh, in Chapel Hill. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see uh, how he feels or how what his situation is. Um, once Virginia gets to Pittsburgh. 
Um, remember, hit the Finax link either in the um, podcast app of choice right now or in the content item for this show. Um, it doesn't matter if it's UVA stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as you get to the to the um, to the site through our link, it helps to support the show. We very much appreciate that. Again, I want to thank Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support. ThoriumWealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M. ThoriumWealth.com, Second String Sports, second with a two. And uh, again, I want to thank everybody for the continued support of the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate them and all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.